all saw what's happening in Ohio. Uh, You've got the rail industry and basically collapsing into a river and the pollution that comes with it and uh, certainly the lifelong effects it's going to have health-wise on a lot of people. When you think of how the the rail industry connected this nation and and you think of what a difference it made in terms of east to west, uh, you, you know, you start thinking about the golden spike and you start thinking about you know, the, the power that government was given to, to build that rail industry. Uh, let's bring Bill Anderson into that conversation, the, the country lawyer from Rutland, North Dakota. Bill, good to have you back on News and Views, buddy. Well, good morning, Joel. Good morning. I, I just want to tell you that back uh, in the 1860s, when they uh, passed that first law uh, providing government support for the intercontinental uh, uh, railway system. I was not yet practicing law. <laughs> As I pointed out many times, all the times I've been sued, the only one I lost was to Bill, <laughs> and it cost me five hundred bucks that day. Uh, Bill, <laughs> so I'm glad you weren't practicing then. So, can, can I ask you this: the the power that government was given, the 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 infrastructure, just the history of what it took to build that railroad. I know Irish, I know Chinese, I know, you know, the the people that built it. I mean, what a massive undertaking, Bill. Well, yeah, it it certainly was a a huge uh, uh, financial engineering, uh, uh, labor, uh, just uh, in every... uh, uh, every way, it, in a way, it kind of uh, was like our uh, our decision uh, uh, in uh, the early 1960s to send a man to the moon. There were things that were needed for that to occur that not only had not yet been developed, they hadn't been invented, and they hadn't even been thought of yet. And those things all had to be done before that project could be completed. And uh, the uh, the uh, Transcontinental uh, Railway uh, project was uh, about the same. You had this huge obstacle of the the uh, uh, the mountains uh, in uh, in the western U.S. that. Uh, uh, you could hardly walk, find a place to cross by foot in the summertime, uh, and then yet they were they built the railway through those mountains, uh, you know, built tunnels and uh, uh, or, or built bridges, uh, dug tunnels, uh, did all this stuff that had to be done in order to get. Uh, trains, uh, railways to to go through there, and I don't know. Most people probably don't realize it, but a uh, locomotive then, as now, can only uh, go up a three percent grade. You know that's not very steep, so you had to figure out how to make your your railway track go uh, uh, from side to side and crawl up that uh, side of that mountain and get to where it could cross and uh, and then do the same thing going down and uh, uh, it, it took took a lot of a lot of planning a lot of thought a lot of a uh, uh, lot of money and 
Uh, a lot of it was uh, taxpayer money, uh, the uh, uh, credit uh, mobile air that uh, that the uh, uh, the Union Pacific Railway uh, formed to uh, to handle the money was a uh, a way that uh, tens of millions of dollars, which in today's money would be billions. Uh, was uh, transferred to the uh, few people at the top of the of the Union Pacific Railway without ever building a a, a foot of track. They they just uh, uh, funneled the money into the trough and and the hogs gathered and fed. What, what, it, uh, <laughs> Bill, whether it be whether it be the the Hoover Dam or the Transcontinental Railroad, or you know, you think about the engineering that you just described and the massive construction. I mean, no one had infrastructure like we did today, or maybe even twenty years from now, we'll have that they'll look at us like we were antiquated. Uh, but it, it would seem to me that construction in those days, because of that, certain lives had to be dispensed. You know, you, you had to not care that you lost men. I mean, you had to not care. It was like you build the Hoover Dam, and you know it. it you, so many are going to die when you build it, and and so, I mean, how hard was that? Was was it so labor intensive that that what I just described could have happened? Well, you know, I mean, there was the uh, the legal presumption back 125, 130 years ago that when you took a job, you accepted the risks that went with it. And uh, so uh, at a time when uh, um, you didn't have safety couplers on on railway cars and a man had to step in between those cars when they were switching and either pull a pin out or or uh, stick a pin in to uh, to hold those to hold the train together uh, and yet sometimes the train never really stopped moving so they had to jump in and jump out and well if you happen to trip and fall under the wheel and uh, cut you in two or cut your leg off or whatever that was uh, you kind of had accepted you knew what the dangers were when you took the job, and uh, so you you uh, took the risk. That so, was that was it. They and 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 I don't know if you could say that the owners didn't care, but that was the maybe they cared a lot. But their stockholders would have frowned if they'd have handed out money to everybody who got hurt, and they uh, and then they didn't make a profit. So they uh, they had to kind of harden themselves to accept those things too. So when you look at that, whether or not life is dispensable, whether or not, you know, you're sitting there looking at costs, the the one thing, the engineering marvel of the time, you know, what you had just described earlier, how in those days with the hard labor and the sheer engineering went through that accomplished this task. The one thing I always think of with railways is the width and how much more efficient they would be if they were wider. And 
I'm I'm trying to go back in in some of what maybe I was taught by someone too foolish to know what they were talking about. But is the width of the rail industry the width of the average ox cart? The yeah, the width of the uh, uh, the first railway cars were made by uh, wagon makers, and they just used their standard axle width, four feet eight inches, to. Uh, uh, and made uh, made the railway cars, the axles, that same width. Well, then the track had to be that width. And that whole uh, thing, that four feet, eight inches, that came from the uh, Roman roads in Europe. And, uh, and that was based on uh, the width of uh, two horses pulling a chariot. And so you you could say that the uh, width of a railway track was determined by two horses' hind ends. <laughs> I, I I will tell you this: the fact that you knew it was four feet eight inches caused me to turn my mic off, look at Abby, and say, "How in the heck did he know that?" I didn't say what? it that polite, but I, why did that numbers? I mean, that that's amazing that you had that fact. Well, uh, Joel, uh, back in 1966, I worked a summer on the, uh, started out on the Great Northern Railway Steel Gang up at Kandu, North Dakota. And then I finished out the summer working on the, working on the section between, uh, Rutland and Forbes, uh, North Dakota, the, there was a track that ran from here to Forbes. A guy by the name of Palmer Thompson was a section foreman, and and uh, I was the laborer. And I I learned a valuable lesson there on the steel gang and on the uh, on the section. And that was uh, those guys might look like they're moving slow, but everything you pick up from a railway spike to a to a tie plate. To, to a rail, to a tie, everything you pick up is heavy, heavy, heavy. Yeah. Uh, Bill, stick around. A couple more questions, uh, obviously. And people just love getting a chance to, to hear the history of how this nation became this nation. Bill Anderson, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a slow That's right. Day. It's Friday, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Let's get back to Bill Anderson. Bill, in the little bit of time we have left, the the Chinese won the race, didn't they? Against the Irish in the in the building of the the Union or the the huge railroad. Let me just say it that way because it's owned by a lot of different people now. But the the Chinese won the race to the Golden Spike. Yes, uh, yes, they did. Uh, the, uh, the 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 part of the transcontinental railroad that came from the west going east and had to cross through the mountains and build all those tunnels and bridges and all that they didn't have near enough labor in california so they imported uh, thousands of uh, of chinese laborers to uh, do the building and uh, uh mr crocker one of the big three who uh, who built the railroad on that end uh he made a bet with, uh, I forget now the name of the guy who was the head of uh, building uh, on the Union Pacific, but uh, 
they had a bet when they got close to the point where they were going to uh, to uh, join up and uh, 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 they would build uh, how much they could build in a day and uh, the uh, the Chinese workers uh, yep they uh, they out uh, they outbuilt the the Irish the Irish coming from the east going west uh, the Chinese beat them and uh, uh, there was doubts when Crocker decided to import all these Chinese uh, laborers. They said, "Well, uh, how can they?" Uh, you know, there there was a lot of racism, of course, in those days, even more than there is now. And uh, uh, people said, "Well, how can those primitive Chinese? How could they work uh, and and build a railroad?" And Crocker said it. Any race of people that can build the uh, Great Wall of China can certainly build a railroad track. So uh, that's uh, that's what happened. I don't know. Uh, one little story here, Joel, about money, politics, and legislatures came from our neighboring state to the west. In the 1890s, there were two guys who were big in the copper business, William Clark, Marcus Daly. They were not only fierce competitors, they despised each other personally. William Clark decided that he wanted to be the U.S. Senator from Montana. And uh, at that time, senators were were not elected by the people, they were selected by the state legislature. So Clark uh, took a lot of money and he went and he paid off a lot of legislators and the Montana legislature to to secure that election to the Senate, and he thought he had the job done, but uh, uh, he was operating, of course, uh, in secret because even in those days, uh, legislators didn't want uh, people to know that they were accepting bribes. But uh, at any rate, uh, Marcus Daly got I wind got, of I got this. one minute, Bill. One minute. Okay, but, but Marcus Daly. Marcus Daly went and spent more money and bought the legislators off and got his own candidate elected, not himself. But at any rate, uh, uh, William Clark was pretty disgusted when he didn't get elected uh, to the Senate after he'd spent all that money. And his comment was, the only thing worse than a legislature that can be bought is one that, once it is bought, won't stay bought. (laughs) And... uh, 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 maybe what we need in North Dakota is a competitor uh, to, uh, <laughs> to, the to Ron Ness to uh, see who can who can outbid the other for the, the North legislature's Petroleum loyalty. <laughs> Bill, 